Listener discretion is advised as the Ebenezer's podcast may contain suggestive and or triggering themes and overall adult content. Welcome back and thank you for joining us for another Ebenezer's show. Today we are going to be doing a special Patreon episode. Patreon is a platform where you can support the podcast even further with tiered donations for listener perks. The guests joining us today are some of our highest donors, so that made them eligible for a live chat with us. If you are able, please visit us at patreon.com and search for The Ebonistas. We appreciate any and all support. Now, for today's episode, we're going to be reflecting on college days, years, decades, whatever time period it took you to get that special little piece of paper (laughs) that says you smart, because we is smart. Important. <laughs> so we're we're gonna just kind of have a free discussion about all the fun things, the crazy things that happen, professors, friends, just the life of college. So really quick, let's um, we're gonna start off by introducing everyone, and everyone's just gonna give us a quick snippet of their college life. So Doreen, you wanna start us off? Yes. So first of all, I am Doreen, the co-host of the Ebenezer. Oh, yeah, Thanks for us again. Yeah, hi, it's me. Um, <laughs> um, so my college experience, I've been to a couple different ones, but uh, when I first went to FIU, I lived at home at first. Then I lived on in the dorms for like a year, year and a half. And then I moved off campus and I've also lived in like off campus housing, done online school. So did a little bit of that. And I've also had like a ton of majors. So some <laughs> of my majors include <clears throat> psychology, sociology, international relations with a minor in politics. Uh, then I completely switched it up and did early childhood education. And now it's IT. So uh, Johnny, if you want to go next and give us a quick little like recap of your college experience, you know, just tell us where you live, where you went or what type of school it was and, you know, how your, your like living situation was and any majors well, that you want to share. The funny thing is, I mean, as far as majors go, I guess I just took a shortcut to your route because I mean, I started off in elementary education and I went to IT, but I mean, when I first left high school, I went to Broward College for a year and then I went to Florida State for a year and then I went to FIU for a year. I met you there. Florida Tech for a year. Oh, so you guys know each other. Okay, cool. Was it majors, classes that you guys met? We lived in the same dorm. Yeah. In the same building. She lived on a separate floor, but... But we met because my sister went to high school with his roommate and we ran into him on like the first day i didn't know him at the time but he was the only person i knew and so that was johnny's roommate yeah because i mean i when i went there like i said i was transferred from florida state so i mean i actually had i transferred because my girlfriend went to um to be closer to her so i mean i didn't really go to fiu knowing anybody okay and natalie why don't you tell us about your little college recap so um I went to uh, UNF in Jacksonville, Florida for four years, and I actually did a summer semester at FIU. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And what did you lived, major in? I majored in graphic design and communications. I could have minored in art history, but they wouldn't let me. What happened there? Why wouldn't they let you? Because I already had a minor in communications. Oh, okay. Yep. So... They wouldn't let me have two minors, even though I had taken as many classes as I could um, to get both. But I lived on campus for 
three out of the four years. And then I did an apartment with a couple girls. I did two apartments off campus with a couple of girls and I lived in a condo with one of my longtime roommates. Cool. That's me. And Joshua, tell us about your college experience. Yeah. So I went to Morehouse um, in Atlanta, Georgia. I lived in the dorms my freshman year because it's required. And then the next three years, I lived off campus. Two of those years, I lived uh, in like a college student housing place with a bunch of college students from all over Atlanta, G-Tech, Emory, you name it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I majored in political science. Uh, I had concentrations in international economics and Spanish. Did not know okay. the Spanish part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Wait, and last so we just made a connection first. Josh, you, you and Doreen are siblings. Yeah, I, I do happen to know her. Uh, known her for 27 <laughs> years now. Holy Been yeah. cool, I guess. Any uh, embarrassing stories that we can get to really quickly? <laughs> oh. The face she just gave uh, you. I, I think the best one is the Doreen show. So <laughs> Doreen knows that I'm an avid swimmer. <laughs> And uh, so I, I'm an avid swimmer, so I would swim laps every day. We had a pool at one of my houses, uh, like, growing up. And um, so I, I'd swim my laps go right after school. And when I got tired, I'd sit on the, like, steps to get in the pool. And Doreen would take over the pool now, and she'd do the Doreen show. And it was, like, synchronized swimming, for one, <laughs> singing, for one, you know. like. And so I would just sit there on the steps, and I'm, like, panting from swimming. 10 laps straight and she's having a good old time putting on the show and I'm just like all right cool mind you I was in high school so way older than I should have been doing this type of like foolishness but nonetheless that's a perfect time for me I think that's perfect (laughs) all right Summer go ahead and tell us about your your college experience well I started college when I was actually a junior in high school I went to community college instead of just doing like regular high school classes I know, I know. (laughs) By the way, side note, Summer is my sister. She's the overachiever. Yeah. Uh, I guess it wasn't like super complicated classes. It was like English 101, history of the United States 101. It was like stupid classes like that, but once I graduated, I like how she considers those stupid classes. I was well, just gonna say that. Can you real though? No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, no biggie. But then I went to University of Northern Colorado, and I'm still in college. Hopefully, I'll graduate in December, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and our major is what? It's biological sciences. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Whenever I need to science, I just ask her things. What was this the other day? <laughs> we were talking about something. And you were asking me about the mitochondrial Eve gene, like why all Black women yeah. have one gene. Yeah. And she guessed it correctly without looking it up on Google or anything. She was like, okay, well, if I'm thinking about the, the gene and then this and this and that, then it's probably called this and this is probably why it's happening. And then she Googled it and she's like, nailed it. <laughs> well, do you want to say what it is? Because I just read about this and I thought this was pretty interesting. Well, Jabby only gave me like a snippet of what she was talking about, but I guess all Black women have this gene. And so I was like, okay, women and only women pass down mitochondrial DNA. And then ancestors of humans started in Africa. So I was like, I guess that's what the connection is. And yeah, that's pretty much all, all the thing so, is. So I heard that the that, that Eve gene was basically that in our genes, it's stored. We have the genetic makeup of 
all of the different races like it's, it's all stored yeah. in our genes specifically black american black women mm -hmm. yeah. yeah okay You're and then where her. do you live <laughs> i live off campus me and my friend decided to move into an apartment um it's not like a dorm apartment it's like an apartment apartment so that was like a nice change from the ras and how expensive it is to live on campus too nice so did you grow up in south florida at all with jabby or did you always grow up in colorado yeah i mean we moved to colorado when i was 10 or 11 so like half my life i spent in florida and then we moved to Colorado. Mm -hmm. oh, so we have all started our like journeys in Florida is what I'm getting from this. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Some of us are still there. <laughs> Miss Natalie. <laughs> and Johnny. Yeah. And Johnny. Okay. Really quick, I guess I'll go. So I was similar to Doreen where I had college a little bit everywhere. I first went to FIU. I was not ready right out of out of high school for college. I basically flunked out, sort of, but not really. It was like on that edge there. Um, my first year, because I was too busy, let's go shopping and let's go to the movies and things like that. So I ended up also moving when I was 19 to middle of nowhere, Florida. And I went to a community college there. Then I went back to Miami, went to Miami-Dade. Then I went back to FIU. And finally, I was in like, I think I was like 22, 23. And I was like really serious. And I was like, all right, you know what? I need to buckle down, stop taking classes here and there, and go for it. So actually, when I was ready for it, I started getting better grades. So, you know, it's all mindset. You're ready when you're ready. I went to UM for my paralegal certificate. And then right now... I'm in the midst of trying to finish my master's with Western Governors, which is an online school that my dad is a professor at. So majors, I started off with English, and then I switched it to pre-law, and then I switched it to business for a hot minute, and then I realized how much math was involved, and I was like, no, 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 let's not do pass. that. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> exactly. And then I switched it back to English because I decided that I wanted to learn a little bit more about a craft that I really love and see where it takes me. And plus, my goal is law school. In law school, they actually really um, uh, like law um, English majors. So that was another reason I moved to that. So, oh, did I live? No dorms. So I'm really jealous of Natalie, actually, that she got the dorm experience. Summer got a bit of the dorm experience. I just feel like I missed out on something. No, that much. <laughs> Natalie's like shaking um, her head. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, fun fact, Joshua, actually, his dorm was the same dorm that Martin Luther King was in when oh, he cool. went to Morehouse, and it looked like it hadn't been renovated since then, but, you know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. For the record, nope. He lived in Graves. He was a different Oh, hall. that's what you're, you're the person who showed us around told us. Live. Yeah, he was full of it. He was full of it. <laughs> They're trying to sell you. Yeah, for real, though. Yeah, no, nah, he lived, he lived in, I don't even know if he lived on campus. He was supposed to live on campus, but his, uh, his father was, like, the, um, the dean or something at Morehouse at that point. So I think that they were still going home, but he had a room on campus that he didn't stay in. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, he, was, he was there really young, like 15 or 16 years old in college. Oh, wow. Okay. So like Joshua had said, um, the first year that I lived on campus, you're, you're kind of required to. And you kind of like get paired up with these roommates. And sometimes in advance, you can contact them. But I kind of walked in blind with my first roommate, whose name was Erica. And... I feel like it's like the first time that you're away from home and you get to experience what other people kind of like live like and what their other study habits are and stuff like that. So 
How did Erica live? She was. <laughs> Wait, should we give her a code name, actually? Yes. <laughs> Roommate A. She's going to be listening to this. out of the bag now. Um, no, but she, she was super sweet. And, and we got along really well. You know, I, I, we were both kind of, like, messy. But once I was out on my own, I realized that, like, I can't live that way. So you kind of just try to work around each other's schedules. She was a really interesting sleeper. She would literally sleep on her side up against the wall and have her leg and her arm that were free like up on the wall and that's how she would sleep. Like a fly on the wall? Yep. It's because of the yep. temperature, right? Because the wall is cold. <laughs> I never asked don't, her. Don't, don't I was a justify this story. <laughs> Do you know something about this? For real no, though. For no. real. <laughs> but, the I mean, and then you just get to meet different people through like your roommate and stuff but like living in the the freshman dorms there were a lot of like strange experiences most of the ones that we had were fire drills because kids would go into the shared kitchen area and they would microwave popcorn and set off the fire alarm and we would have to like all have to evacuate the building because they would leave the the popcorn in the microwave for like five minutes and like oh my gosh burn. You know, so the college don't know how to make anything. And it would happen like at whatever hour of the day, like day or night. Like I remember that happening once when I was trying to take a shower in the shared bathrooms, which were really freaking gross, by the way. So that was another thing. It's just like that's, so that's real. Like, how does that work? Shared bathroom. That's when you get your introduction to shower shoes. Yep. Terrible. Shower shoes wearing your own shower caddy with all that stuff, shower caps and everything. You just yeah, so it's kind of like when you go to the gym and everybody's got these individual stalls. So yeah. that's kind of how it's like set up. You have these stalls that are set up for showers, and then you have regular bathroom stalls for the toilets and stuff. But yeah, I definitely don't miss the shared showers and bathrooms, especially like in the freshman dorms. They were I felt like they were always way worse because so many people were partying for the first time and not knowing how to handle their liquor and all of that stuff so you didn't mess so, up oh man communal bathrooms are the worst especially at uh, all guy college I, I will say that I, I have seen some things and um, so I, I didn't know I, I mean I'd never used a communal shower I'm not like and I wasn't like a varsity athlete in high school so I never really used locker rooms or any of those like shared bathroom spaces and then I got to Morehouse and said, I'm showering like I would normally. And my boys literally had to have an intervention with me about wearing shower shoes. Like I came in one day and they're like, Josh, we, we saw that you're not wearing shower shoes. You need to be wearing them. And I was like, wait, in the shower? And I was like, well, well why do I need shower shoes? They're like, bro, people do gross things in the bathroom. I'm like, can you guys give me an example? And the examples that they gave me were terrible. And I think I lost some friends that day. It was... I was like, what are you guys doing in the shower? I'm taking a shower, but you guys are doing other stuff. <laughs> I don't want to know. Part of me, I'm like, I can guess what's happening, but I don't need to know. Is there it's anything okay. that you can share that wouldn't completely gross us out? Because <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> oh, um, so I mean, so something that, that definitely happened regularly, and I thought it was weird, and then it finally happened to me. It's like people like getting huge the night before and then puking in the shower. That is pretty, it was more common than I would have thought and then it happened to me and I was like damn now I really know why you need shower shoes but luckily I was wearing it by that point <laughs> yeah it's, it's gross but there's lots of other bodily fluids and secretions going on in there that have no business in a communal shower we'll leave That's it there mostly what I was thinking bodily 
to creatures, yeah. we'll call it, from the yeah. men folk. Yeah. <laughs> I, wore, I wore those shower shoes that very next day once I heard about that. So my intervention <laughs> works. Flippy floppies. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyone have experience with the gender, shared gender bathrooms or showers? No. I didn't. Yeah. Wait, do you? Johnny's got it. I, I do. Okay, Johnny oh, with the wig. Man. There was, I mean, this was like off-campus living, but it was it was kind of like the same way it was set up at FIU, but it was both genders sharing basically the same living space, bathrooms and whatnot. And oh my goodness, women, women, oh my good, young women. Uh-oh. Are the, you saying we're the, gross? The, the things <laughs> you guys leave in toilets and <laughs> trash cans and, I mean... The makeup on the counter is the thing that I beg for because <laughs> everything else is just oh my goodness, I scarred for life at that point. <laughs> so you basically got an introduction into what it's like living with a woman. Yes, but a young woman because older women, I don't, I don't know. I guess it clicks at that point, but younger women don't care. It's a little reckless. Are we all a little reckless during those days? Isn't that the point? Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, peeing on the seat is nothing compared to some of the things I've seen. Oh gosh, I'm nervous. That makes me nervous. Like, I don't know what kind of things those girls were doing, but I don't know. That's weird. I didn't. So, Natalie, you had roommates. I think at one point you had two roommates, didn't you? I did. When I lived off of, uh, when I lived off campus, I had two roommates. And the amount of like passive aggressiveness that you live with, like day to day. With, with women? those roommates, I never want to experience again. Like, it, it's just, you could, like, as much as you want to be, like, friends and as much time as you hang out with them, you know, you didn't do the dishes when you were supposed to kind of thing. You were supposed to clean the bathroom. But, like, no one would say anything about it. So you were just kind of, I don't know, always tiptoeing around that kind of stuff. But I remember having that conversation with my roommate. Since I didn't, my first year I lived with my parents. But when I finally moved out to the middle of nowhere, um, I lived with a girl I went to high school with. And I remember us having that conversation one day because I would always wash my dishes, like, right after I used them kind of thing. Or, like, when it's within, like, the hour or so. And I remember her dishes were like piling up one day and I was like, dude, you going to do those dishes? And she was like, those are not mine. Those are yours. And I remember us having this whole conversation about it. And it was just, it was just those little things, you know, that were, that were strange. So I guess I was really lucky in the fact that I lived off campus first at my, with my, my parents' house and my sister, but she went to FIU. And my first year, I'm not going to lie, I kind of majored in dominoes and spades in GC, which is like the little main hall <laughs> and where like the cafeteria was. <laughs> that, because I had never, I went to like a private school in the Bahamas. My parents were kind of strict. I, like, I broke the rules every chance I got. Like, don't get it twisted. But like, I still was not able to live like a free social life the way that I wanted to. So going to college, I was like, there's, there's no one here that's going to make me do anything. Like, it was dope. So I didn't go to class a lot. Like, I just socialized a lot. And I would hitchhike from campus because, like, FIU's campus is pretty big. Yeah. And I had class on, like, one side. And then I had, like, 15 minutes to get to the other side. I got shin splints from trying to run across campus. So me and my friend, we decided to hitchhike. So we literally, like, put our thumbs out and we would catch a ride, clearly not safe, across campus to, to class. But it worked. But when I finally did move on campus, I, they had us take like an online quiz. Johnny, they probably had you do it too, like a personality test. Yeah. And um, on the and so they match you up with someone who is similar in personality. And 
I'm going to say that personality test was the bomb because I'm still best friends with my college roommate. Like, yeah, like we're still in each other's lives and, and all of my friends that, well, the other two, there was, so we had three of us. We had two rooms on one side, two rooms on the other side, a kitchen and a living room. So my roommate and my little like flatmate, my bathroom mate is my, still my best friend now. So like okay. and we, we cooked, we cleaned, we got along, we grocery shop. It was dope. Can I just say, I also had to take that online personality test. And for me, it was bullshit because <laughs> <laughs> the girl I got paired up with, by the end of the semester, I think we hated each other in a way that was like really <laughs> unspoken, but like we both felt it. She was just, she was very like introverted. And I remember she used to like be on FaceTime with her friends until like two o'clock in the morning and we shared a room like we shared a room our beds were right next to each other i remember that and she talked so fucking loud (laughs) and i remember there was this one night where i finally like worked up the courage to be like hey if you're gonna be on the phone can you please go in the living room and she did she got up she went in the living room and the next day my ra was like hey like we need to sit down and have a meeting with you and your roommate because she's claiming that you locked her out of your room last night and that you've been bullying her like all semester like it was like this whole thing i mean we had to be roommates for like the rest of the year and it was really bad Uh, i remember this girl i remember this was an issue like you i think i feel like one time you just really went in on her (laughs) it was during that meeting when the ra made us sit down i was like dude first of all i didn't lock you off the room our room doesn't even have a lock on the door you know i don't know i get it she was very like shy and like reserved and i'm not like that but we did not get along at all and it was pretty bad Mm-mm. so let me ask the question johnny so you went to i know you live with john which is our other our mutual friend i yes. still i'm still friends with him i actually ran into him in december but are you friends with any of the people that you live with at that time yes and no because i mean funny that that whole part about that quiz being bullshit was true because <laughs> it was, okay so it was me john and trey to begin with and this white kid I mean I don't want to put his name out there and I okay. will say disclaimer I thought that he might be a serial killer but the fact that he didn't kill us great I mean I gotta give him a shout out for that I mean <laughs> I misjudge you my friend because he hated every day he lived with us and I mean when Trey moved out and Quasi moved in which me and Quasi still talk all the time I didn't know Quasey was your roommate. Why did I forget that? Trey couldn't afford to live on campus. So like last minute, we got somebody who actually wants to and got denied. Like, here you go type thing. Okay. So like midway through the semester, that's when Quasey was staying with us. And I mean, like, we still keep in touch. I mean, John, I mean, it's hit or miss. But I mean, we were all definitely cool. Except, I mean, like I said, dude should have killed us. All right, Joshua, are you still friends with any of your college roommates? Friends, yes. We still talk. I, I don't know. We don't. We don't. <laughs> we, we don't talk that often. I, I think that I still have like relationships and like uh, think of them very fondly. My roommate, my freshman year, that dude. I I had never met anybody like that. Still have yet to. Um, just very different. So, I mean, we're at a historically black college and university. And, um, you know, it, it just, he was like a NRA member and he was a part of the new Black Panther Party. And, you know, he's a guy from, from Houston, Texas. And I love him because I think that he was so weird 
and different from everybody else there and like had such strong opinions that it made me be, feel comfortable being like myself. And like that was weird at, you know, at the point. Like it felt like having him as like a point of reference for other people made me seem, my ideas seem much more tame. So I was real happy to have him, but we still communicate from time to time, but he ended up not uh, not finishing at Morehouse um, and he, he ended up, you know, doing his schooling somewhere else. But uh, other roommates, I, I think I've talked to them from time to time, like a occasional like DM on Instagram or commenting on their story on IG or something. But I, I wouldn't say that I'm very close friends with, any of my roommates except for my sister who I lived with my senior year. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have a random story. This wasn't about my roommate, but we were friends with a few other people on campus. And one of the guys that we were friends with, he would literally like, he's like, oh, you guys went to the grocery store? And he would come down with bags and like go grocery shopping in our fridge. It was the weirdest thing. I don't know if you knew him, Johnny, but his name was Marlon. He was super cool. We're still friends, but like he would literally go grocery shopping in our apartment every he was every like, other day. I was like brother man on the yeah. fifth floor. <laughs> yeah, but he was on like I think he was on the eighth floor, so we would call him brother man from the eighth floor. Yeah. <laughs> Marlon used to cut his own hair. He wasn't spending money on anything. Anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, he knew he wasn't going out of college with any expenses. He was like saving his no. cash. No, he was. He probably slept in somebody's closet. Yeah. Uh, well, I had, we had an unofficial roommate that kind of like lived with us, but like wasn't on the lease because it was all girls, but he was always there. My friend Hans, he was always there. Like everyone thought he lived on campus because he was always with us. He kind of just chose us as his home on campus. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that story of, um, it came out a few years ago, this guy that decided to live in his van oh, um, near the school that he was going to. And he did that so that he wouldn't have to live on campus. Um, he worked, but, you know, to keep expenses down, living in his car was just easier. And, you know, he had a whole setup in there, sleep, you know, kitchen, everything. And he graduated with no debt whatsoever. Nice wild i thought you were going to talk about the guy who lived with his daughter on campus in her dorm and was like pimping out her friends oh my gosh i did hear about that that was (laughs) next level a friend of mine went to that school during that time yeah during that same time and knew some of those kids are you serious that's yeah yeah apparently like because i I want to say that it's like uh sarah lawrence or something like that but uh i could be wrong but uh yeah they they were some wild folks people were doing lots of things to each other like drugging each other and it it just seems like some of those folks are out of whack yeah well so in other words that school probably should just be shut down yeah but then they'd have to (laughs) shut down lots of other places yeah Yeah. college is a crazy place that's true I don't oh, I have a story. I have one more. So <laughs> okay. there was during my freshman year, this is one of the craziest stories. I don't think I've ever heard one like this. Our campus flooded. Like it was like, so this is in 2000 or 2001. Like everything in South Florida was flooding. Like it rained for like so many days. Everything was flooded. Everything was shut down. And so our campus, there are still people who lived on campus and it got so bad that people could literally like jump out of their windows on like the third and fourth floor of the dorms outside. And it was just like a pool of water. Wow. What was funny is campus was closed down for like a week or two. After a month after that, they had the highest number of STDs treated on campus, unplanned pregnancy. I was just like, yes, because they were 
they were stuck in the dorms with like they couldn't leave so i mean if i do good job with that one <laughs> natalie you had something the um josh's comment about you guys are making fun of like saying that the school should shut down or anything made me think about something that happened when i went to school at unf where all greek life social events were shut down completely at our school and i remember that being like a really really big deal what happened there I was actually looking it up to see. Amazing. Was it like one of those, some kid probably drugged someone kind of thing? It wasn't based on an isolated event, but on inappropriate behavior on some Greek events. So I'm sure it was a a slew of things like hazing, alcohol abuse, drugs, all that kind of stuff that kind of got out of hand. You know, it's just kind of like interesting to hear a bunch of stories on campus about you know, that kind of stuff. Like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so getting in trouble for that? Yeah, that happened at FIU while we were there, too. I remember, like, it happening to, like, a couple different schools, I feel like, at the same time, you know, or I just feel like when we all went to school, it feels like uh, a lot of schools were kind of cracking down on some of, starting to crack down on some of the stuff that was happening in sororities and fraternities. Really quick. So I'm kind of both ends for sorority life, fraternity life. I've never been the kind of person to join any type of group really. Um, high school, I never joined any teams. I never went to pep rallies. Didn't want to go to a fo- football game or anything like that. Um, clubs, I literally like joined clubs at my senior year of high school just so I could put it on my resume because someone told me it would be good. So. Oh, I thought you meant like clubs, like discotheque. Like no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, so, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> the discotheque? Really, Zori? <laughs> What year is it? That was like like a translation right there. (laughs) For all the kids in the room, what's a disco (laughs) tactory? A club. Oh, gosh. That tells you I speak other languages because that's what they call them. The other language is old. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that too. There. There's an old lady inside all of us. But I remember because that, because of that, I remember I wanted to kind of think outside the box when I first got to school. And I was like, maybe I should join a sorority. I don't know. And I remember I talked to some girl in one of my classes about it because she was already in one. And she just kind of seemed off-putting and just, I don't know, whatever. So I, I just decided it wasn't for me, but I always felt like I was missing out on something in some kind of way. Especially I remember seeing like the, the African-American group or like, you know, the Black group on campus. And I was like, maybe I should join them. Like maybe I could like you know, expand myself a little bit more. FIU, you have, I mean, it's in Miami, so you have mostly a Hispanic population, but I mean, we had everyone, but it was still something I looked at and I was like, oh, maybe I should have done that. I mean, like, I don't think anyone here, any of us did fraternities, sororities, right? Or were you in type of any no. type of groups like that? No. Some, I didn't something? want to pay for friends. That's the, <laughs> that's my that's thing. the only reason why I didn't join one. I was just like, Nah, I think I can make my own friends, thanks. So I went, I was actually approached because a lot of my sister's friends were in sororities and I went to an interest group. Like they invited me to like a meeting where they were going to tell us all about this stuff. And I didn't know anything about it. The most that I knew about sororities and fraternities was what I watched on a different world. Like when I was growing up, like that was the extent of my knowledge. And so I didn't know, (laughs) I didn't know what it was. And so like their animal was a dog, like, right. It was a type of dog. And so I made the joke during this meeting, does that mean that you guys are a bunch of female dogs? (laughs) (laughs) Instantly. (laughs) (laughs) It was at that moment Dorian was dropped off the line. (laughs) Pretty much. Summer, what's going on? Well, okay. I also looked at joining clubs too, 
or sororities on campus, first of all, they're all really white. And me and my roommate, Josie, she's also a woman of color. We looked at joining sororities, but they're just so overly white that we were like, we're not going to fit in here like at all. But I do have a friend who's in a sorority and it just seems awful. Like she's like, oh, like I can't wear jeans on Friday, you know, or I can't wear this type of outfit and wear like my Greek letters at the same time. Or, you know, we can't post XYZ on social media. Like it just seems so like overly controlling, you know, to the point where you're in college. And Regina George. Yeah. Like you're in college and you're having these people tell you like what you can wear, who you can have over to your dorm, paying thousands of dollars for friends like it just seems like way too much so I don't think you're missing out on anything with that um there's two people that I was living with who were joined fraternities actually we barely saw each other for the most part while they were pledging and it was always some stupid stuff I mean FIU though was the first place that I went to where regardless of what fraternity you were in you could still be friends I mean I went to schools who took that stuff way more seriously like to where it dictated who your friends were yeah like you couldn't talk to certain fraternities or yeah 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 Mm -hmm. like you couldn't be friends with anyone who was in like a different fraternity or sorority than you were but not at FIU pigeonholing you know but at the same time I didn't join a fraternity and went to FIU and was in like CSA which is I guess pretty much pigeonholing as well Caribbean Student Association because it was a very oh yeah yeah because I mean it was a very Hispanic population um I have another side of my family and they're super into Greek life and you know what's what sore are you going to be in you know I still talk to my my sisters and things like that and I feel like you get one side where people are saying, well, it's all about community and building each other up and, you know, helping each other move forward in life and things like that. But it just doesn't seem like that on the, on the whole surface. It doesn't seem like that's really what it's about. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, it just seems like you're paying for friends and you're kind of just secluded to each other. And of course, you're going to help out the people you're with. I mean, I don't know the benefit of it other than paying money to be in this group. And then you're more, you get jobs. I know, you know, from certain people that were in the same groups as you, same fraternities or sororities later on in life. Also like getting into the parties too on campus. We have this place, it's called Fraternity Row. And like every frat house has like their own parties and it's being able to like stand up the door and being like, what sorority are you in? And if you can't tell them a name, then they're like, sorry, like you can't come to our party. And um, one time a friend of mine, me and AJ had tried to go in and he looked at me and he was like, well, you can come in because you you help the ratio of girls to guys. But he looked at AJ and he was like, you can't, you have to pay money if you want to come in our party. And I was like, yeah. no, like, fuck that. I was like, if I can't bring my friend, then I don't want to come, you know? Yeah. So. Plus, AJ is part of the ratio. <laughs> <laughs> he is part of the ratio. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think to, to pick, piggyback off of what someone said, um, I, I've had a lot of those experiences too where, uh, so I, I didn't pledge anything, um, did go to some interest meetings. I think people would be surprised what I was interested in at that point, um, largely during this fall. But, you know, I, I, I think that um, <laughs> what, what I'm most sad about is that, like, all of my boys that crossed, have switched up completely like really? dudes that I would talk to all the time you know like more consistently like I actually you know had friendships with and a lot of those people they go ghost like it's all about the frat it's all about kicking it with the bras or whatever you know like 
whatever their group is, it's like, yo, I, I can only hang out with my frat guys now. And that changes things. And I think specifically in black fraternities, um, that's the experience that I do know more so. I also did some summer classes at, uh, at FIU one year. And um, I mean, literally during my orientation, people were trying to get me to pledge sometime. And it was lit just off the strength of, they were like, oh, I was in. So they built that, there's like that Chili's on campus at FIU. And so I'm sitting in there and I, there were some girls in our company. And they were like, oh, well, you know how to talk to girls. Yeah, we'd like you to join our frat. Um, it was that quick you know at some schools you can't pledge anything until after your first year so it was interesting to see how different that dynamic was that you know was considered like a traditional school even though it's predominantly Hispanic at FIU compared to like HBCUs where nobody talked about anything you didn't know anything and most of the people there were uh, what do they call them legacy where your family was a part of whatever fraternity or sorority and so I think that that experience too, I, I didn't know anything about it, just like Doreen. And so by the time that I learned, it was, I was already, it was already too late, but it seemed cool, but you know. So I'm going to say something in defense, in defense of sororities and fraternities, because I have a lot of friends and ex-boyfriends that were in fraternities and sororities. <laughs> so I laugh because I did date a lot, a, quite a couple guys that were in the same fraternity, but. A lot? Quite? What? Yeah, just a couple, just a couple. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, Eight? <laughs> but I will say what, when it's done the way that it's supposed, really Josh, when it's done the way that it's supposed to be done, it's about building communities around a strong group of individuals who have each other as a way to support each other. I will say a lot of the people that I see, especially like African Americans, Black Americans, being successful in the business world usually have those connections where they're like, oh, my frat brother works here. My sorority sister mm-hmm. works here. They're really big proponents for each other, which can be a little elitist, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's all about us. However, I do, I do like seeing that brotherhood and that sisterhood and that commitment to each other. And, you know, like they make lifelong bonds. And yes, you initially start off by paying for them. So it's not always the best, but I felt the same way, like you're paying for friends and all that stuff. But as I've grown older and I've seen how a lot of those relationships have kind of solidified, I've changed my mind a little bit. Like I'm not against it by any means. I think that if you want to do it, understand what you're, what you're pledging and understand what you're committing to, but also like, you should still have friends. You shouldn't be like so pigeonholed that you're like, I can't talk to you because you don't wear these three letters. Like that's lame. Stop. You know? And so those people who stop talking to people who aren't in there, Greek like organizations they're just lame they're probably lame before and they're going to be lame after it so anyway there you go that's my my two cents it's a microcosm obviously of being black it's like a commitment that says I can trust you as a friend because we were in the same you know fraternity or sorority you know it's just like when you pass another black person on the street you get in the head nod it's it's obligated (laughs) friendship though yeah yeah, I can, and I, I mean, can read my, my brother is actually one of the higher-ups of his chapter down here. And what that basically means is that when people are down on their luck, they sleep on his couch. Yeah, somewhere to go. Yeah. Someone else, cool. someone to count on. And I think yeah. that's that's not always a bad thing. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, the only thing I really know, the deepest I know is about them is from movies and things like that. And you have the silly movies. Days? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So that is an intense movie. I was just talking to my dad about that movie yesterday. That is an intense movie. <laughs> Jasmine got Oh yeah, the wake yeah. up at the end. I was like, really? Wake Tell me up. your message again. 
which by the way, side note, that scene where the women are doing the whole colorism thing against oh each God, other, yeah. that was so intense completely intense and i was like that's that's a lot to handle right now like, so uh i heard that, that uh spike lee put the um the lighter skin folks in a better hotel gave them better trailers better food and intentionally to kind of stoke this uh this powder keg that was already there and so so like when you see conflict in the film it's literally because these two groups hate each other because these actors are have better digs and food and all of these things compared to, other, to like yeah. American folk. And so, yeah. I mean, you saw that tension on the screen. Yeah, yeah. That was, it was really intense. The one line that like always gets me in the song is when the light-skinned girls call the dark-skinned girls pickaninnies. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like that is, that is too much. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like it, it happens. It's not something that's, you know, not true and doesn't happen within the culture. We briefly mentioned dating with Doreen. So let's take a quick detour. Dating in college. How interesting was that to do? <laughs> I mean, you're talking about dorms. I mean, sometimes you got to see that person over and over. It's not like dating when you're an adult sometimes where you could meet someone and then you're just like, you know what? I'm about to ghost that person. And then they're just gone. Like in college, if they're on the same campus as you, you're stuck. And I, Johnny, I see you laughing and I really want whatever story that's going through your head right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I should go with the losing my car story or the car chase story. Oh my God, oh, both. both. I both. <laughs> no, you only get to choose one. All right, do we have to take a, should we take a, a, a poll for that one? Uh, I car chase? losing my car. <laughs> All right, well, I will say choose. both involve the same girl, but oh. car chase, are we doing car chase? Uh, no, yep. losing your yep. car. Wait, yeah. yeah well, you lost L your losing, car. losing your car. Losing your, losing your car. car. Okay, your car. Right, I'm outvoted. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the time that, I mean, all right, so I was dating this girl on campus at FIU. Doreen knows who she is. I mean, Doreen apparently knew her before I knew her. I could have told me how crazy she was, but you know <laughs> but what? I didn't, wait, hold on. Well, Let me pause. I met her through you, and then she hated me with a passion because of you. I did not know her before that. <laughs> you knew of her before that. No, I mostly didn't. <laughs> He's not letting you get off, Doreen. <laughs> she I mean, made a point she... to ruin my life after that. She dated my ex-boyfriend just to get back at me. Like, she was psycho. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, no. I will say that her parents, like, and they're from another island, and they have some kind of diplomatic ties, because she has no record, and she really should, but. Oh, so no, no. I think our parents may have known each other, but I never knew her at all. Okay, we'll leave it. He'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, she got mad at me over God knows what. Took my car because she had the keys. I don't know why she had took my car. I'm. I mean, like I could GPS track my car at the time, like on the computer. But I mean, I was too poor to own a laptop. So I mean, oh. the only way I could track it is to sit at home on my desktop. <laughs> or in the dorm on my desktop. And Alligator Alley, like, headed towards Fort Myers. Like, I had to take the tri-rail up to my parents' house that weekend. And, like, she parked it in the car, like, two days later, like, in the driveway and left the keys inside and, like, called me when she was down the street. Like, I, I tracked it as far as, like, St. Pete before like I was just 
I had to make up my own plan to explain to my parents why I was taking the tri-rail up to visit. Oh my gosh. She, wait, so she took your car and left it somewhere and then came back? I don't know if she left it, but I know it was parked for a while. Okay. So I don't know if she came back down with it or if she just left it somewhere because she knew I could track it. Because I had already called her when she was on Alligator Alley and let her know that I could track it. I mean, I wasn't the super sleuth at the time that I am now. (laughs) Didn't have the technology that we have now. (laughs) But I mean, I had at least that much. And yeah. But wait, so you said when you moved to to go to FIU, you were dating someone at UM, right? Was that the same person? Yes. That was the car chase story. The transition (laughs) From one person to the other. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. This is intense. I like it. <laughs> Anything Johnny that happens might be the, the male chase? version of me. <laughs> I already know. I Doreen also had I a car chase. Wow. For college? Really? Yeah, while I was in college, yeah, I had a car chase. Yeah. So this happens to other people. I feel better. Yeah. No, no. You're the male version of me, so it does not happen to other people. It just happens to us. <laughs> so do it. <laughs> <laughs> So I probably have the least experience with dating in college. My, um, I was still dating my high school boyfriend when I got to college. So, and it was long distance. So that made having a roommate really interesting, but you know, webcams and all that, trying to schedule private time for things, but having your roommate walk in on those moments is great. Yeah, when I broke up with that guy, I totally wanted to, like, just be a hoe, and it was, like, it was a long, like, it was a couple years, and I was, like, okay, I've been, like, a serial monogamous. I'm in college. I'm away from home. Like, I'm able to go to bars and meet guys and all that, and then one of my mutual friends, like, introduced me to my, like, current husband, so, like, I didn't really get a chance to do any of that stuff. (laughs) But you were in the right frame of mind. <laughs> well, you know, it was she was in a whole state of mind. <laughs> I, yeah, it was just it was funny because he um we were we were dating, you know, going like on lit- like legit dates, and those were like the first time that I had ever been on like an adult-ish kind of date, as as adult as you could be during your you know early twenties in college. So that was it was kind of nice to do that stuff. But yeah, I mean, just going to the bars and dancing and like meeting guys and I you said never, that I like the way never, that you should. I I, I <laughs> got really close to having a one night stand once and I was too chicken. I was like, he might be a serial killer and I don't have a way to get home. So I'm just gonna go home. Bye, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask about. but you had an experience you were there yeah yeah josh dating in college was uh it was it was a struggle at first and then it became even more difficult as it went on i'd say like freshman year took a lot of l's things did not go the way that i wanted them to (laughs) you know i just like didn't know what i was doing and then like boys mature very young i mean like it, it takes them a long time to mature and so it just felt like i didn't know what the hell was going on i was getting messed by these girls and then like you know these other the other guys are doing way more than i was doing and i wasn't willing to do that and maybe that was young too and so it just it felt like people were doing the most and i just i couldn't keep up um, but i think that like by by like sophomore year i figured out i think enough else that like Slowly but surely, it snowballed into something that, like, it, it wins just kept coming. 
here and there and you started learning you built up a muscle memory like you know i was well conditioned i had endurance was like you know just talking that shit and i i think that 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 changed things uh for me but uh, dating in college i think was madness everything you know that part of your brain the prefrontal lobe or whatever it isn't developed and i think that like it just feels like you're gonna die when relationships don't go the right way or whatever it is and you know i think that the best thing that i ever did was not so i, I just got married last year best thing i ever did was yeah, not I mean, date my wife in college uh, uh, you guys did I, go I, on I a that, date yeah 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 but not we weren't like boyfriend girlfriend because we wouldn't have made it and you know it, there happened to be a lot of goofies that were trying to date her or dating her when we would go on these dates and so you know that's why dating in college does not work because women are fielding their options and guys are entertaining all options and wow so that, that's how it goes joshua proverbs that was strong Yo. yeah well i think you know like just speaking on behalf of myself and a lot of my friends i feel like nowadays like dating in college mostly is what do they call them situationships Yes. And it's, it's a lot of like, hi, like we have like this really good connection. I really like you. I want to take you out on dates. I want to sleep with you, but don't call me your girlfriend. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your boyfriend. We're not together. We're not exclusive. And it, it's really like awkward because, you know, you see these people and, you know, you're like sleeping with them for like X amount of months or you're like dating them casually, but like no one actually like wants to commit to it fully. So, I mean, like, I don't know, but I feel like that's the most you get out of college. <laughs> and like, it's just, just like that weird, we're together, but we're not committing to it all the way. Is college when that started then? I mean, it like yeah. skewing off of universities? Because that seems to be the situation, like, in general at this point. <laughs> yeah. In adult life? Yeah. Yes. No yeah. one really dates exclusively anymore. They're just like yeah. a situationship that eventually turns into like I guess we're together. But for, so for me in college, so for me in college, you're not. Yep, seven years. So for me in college, I God, I was dating my high school. Well, the guy that I was dating in high school, and I went home for like my birthday, which was around Thanksgiving, and he like randomly showed up at my house and tell me he was coming. And I was like, you know, we thought we were really good and solid. We had a great relationship. And he showed up and was like, you got really light-skinned. And I was like, okay, because I'm not in the Bahamas anymore, so I don't get sun all the time. And he was like, and you put on weight. And I was like, oh, okay. And the next day was my birthday, and I was there for like a week. He did not come back or call me the entire time that I was home. And then called me like a week after the fact and was like, hey, babe. And I was like, babe, we are not together. And he was like, I don't understand. I didn't see this coming. You called me fat and pale and didn't call me for my birthday? Like, yeah, we're not together. So that's how I entered college was like breaking up with that guy, getting hit on by a lot of like really creepy men. That's when women are really introduced to the creepers, like the guys that are way older trying to hit on these super young girls and or guys who are just creepy in general like they just yeah they're kind of like lecherous so i dealt with a lot of that and i was like i have a ton of options like i'm, I'm a prize like you know <laughs> so i had a really bad attitude and i also for some reason thought that men did not have feelings um and so i treated them accordingly um mm -hmm. and so i was kind of a, i was kind of a bitch i'm not gonna lie i was cute so i thought i could get away with it and now <laughs> i can she's see cute <laughs> <laughs> I can see the error in my ways. I was a great friend 
but I was a terrible person to be romantically interested in. And I think, yeah, people could probably attest to that. I don't know. I think I was similar to Doreen where it was just like, you had options and you were dating. <laughs> there are not a lot of people or multiple people. Natalie probably knows me the best. I, although I didn't do dorms and things like that, but I, similar to you, Doreen, I was let go my senior year, pretty much like my, my high school sweetheart. We broke up pretty much right before I started college and then I was just like out in the world and I was like, okay, well then. <laughs> and I had, you know, I worked, I remember at um, UPS and I'd worked their night shift and cute guys, you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like it was that, it was going to school. I remember probably the most interesting person I dated was, I guess, I don't know, interesting, like as far as like personality, just in the type of person he was, was um, speaking of which, Miss um, Smarty Pants Summer, while she's over here talking about how like those first few classes are super easy during my summer before my freshman year I had to take a remedial like math or something like that and I met this guy there this white guy and I when I say white I mean like freckles from head to toe red 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 fire red hair but he was from Jacksonville and I don't mean like the out like the the white part of Jacksonville I mean like hood and it was so much we only i think we only dated for a few months like we talked like i think he took me on a few dates like nothing special like being in college like dates to me i was just like if you find me food anywhere honestly i don't care because that's what yeah. the struggle is but i do remember a moment where he was like you know just like any other kid and he's trying to get it in and i'm just like mm, no this is weird like he lived on campus and I was like, <laughs> he was trying room. to take you home to his dorm yeah like eh, this is kind of weird but he was really cool because i swear he was like the blackest white guy i'd ever met and i was like that's funny because he told me he was like you're the whitest black girl i've ever met which at that time when you're and younger together just don't kidding. realize that those are things are kind of offensive yeah, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but you know it worked at the moment and i just remember that being really interesting but i think I did the same thing like situationship um a lot of like hey i like you i think i like you um let's just see what happens and then like two days later just like nah yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's have sex until it's bad basically maybe a couple of weeks maybe a couple of months basically or until i see something else that i like or you see something yeah. else like or until you get it better somewhere else <laughs> I think I told briefly, Doreen, there was a moment when I was probably like 19, 20, and I actually had a whole thing. Is I lived in middle of nowhere, Florida. Never moved to Deland, Florida. It's horrible. Uh, but I met the most interesting characters there. And at one point of my life, I was kind of seeing a guy that I worked with, but turned out that he hadn't dated a lot, in other words. And so it turned out that he may have been bisexual. And he was, so at one point we were working with someone the guy that was fully out gay and we kind of had like this thing where I, was, where I was like are you seeing me or are you seeing him what is happening i don't know what's happening this is was that when you worked at like ace hardware or lowe's or um, was it lowe's. it was lowe's okay yeah and i remember i thought it was promising because when he first i remember he had a motorcycle so that was like kind of cool mm -hmm. and then i remember when he asked me out he like put on a little sticky note. So it was the job of the cashiers to go grab extra things from the different departments at the end of the night. And so he would put on a like little sticky note, like, what are you doing later tonight? While he's like, whatever. And then like, I put a sticky note on his 
like locker and I was like I don't know what are you doing Aww, <laughs> kind of thing and then <laughs> whatever but then obviously months later here I am and I'm almost like why why is that dude why am I hearing things <laughs> you're like in a thruple <laughs> yes unfortunately <laughs> yeah that didn't last very long so it sucks when it's that extra effort it was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of work so I actually had two car chases Johnny now that I think about it I had two what? with the same person both ended up with police having to like help me escape oh. it was yeah like i was dating a guy who, well we weren't dating we were friends and whatever it was a situation ship that went wrong and he was really possessive and like clingy and like i so sometimes i would lie and be like i'm gonna be at home i'm gonna be at work and but I, we lived in a really small town we're in tallahassee so tallahassee is not very big all roads lead to the same places and so two times he caught me like at a light going in a different direction was like bitch you lied you know and so like would do like a u-turn and started like chasing me and so i kept on like making u-turns and driving faster and slowing down and turning down roads pulled into a parking lot then he like blocked me in like a t-shape then like someone called the police the police had to come and then like another time oh man this is not my finest moment but another time i was trying to break up with him and i gave him like that goodbye like love like you know whatever like this is it and he went through my phone in the shower and another guy had messaged me something inappropriate and he calls the guy right <laughs> he calls the guy was like how do you know Doreen and to this day this guy's the best like he is a G like he is a gangster for this he was like oh I don't know who that is uh, I think you have the wrong number I probably I think I texted the wrong person I was like yes, you a real MVP <laughs> Nice. But he didn't believe it. And then so he was just, he took my, like, he tried to take my keys and my glasses and then, like, broke my glasses. And so I, like, I was like, I got to get out of here. So I, like, got in the car and I, like, scourged away. But I am blind as a bat. So I couldn't see anything that well. And so I ended up driving into a police station. And then he drove in his car and was following me. And then so, like, it was a whole mess. So, yeah, two car chases. I had wow. really, I have really bad taste in men. I'm just going to put that out there in case you haven't picked up on that by now. Did any of one of those end up or start in the Guthrie's parking lot? I love Guthrie's, but no. Guthrie's was my happy place. I didn't take anybody there with me. That was where I went to get a my, lot my chicken of tenders. Go down in Guthrie's parking lot. Not with me. Not that time. What's Guthrie's parking lot? Guthrie's was this restaurant that sold the most magical chicken fingers and I know it doesn't sound like much but when you had it you would understand like they were just amazing it was like what you went and got after the club after a party like it was just the spot to go you know yeah. it was just yeah, yeah. Okay. okay oh wait 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 didn't you have a young lady who uh worked there Mr. Johnny yes I did yeah you did <laughs> it was like chicken fingers for life <laughs> Yo, we did we did get two free chicken fingers that time that you brought me up this year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was a good friend. I drove an hour and a half, almost two hours, to pick you up for a booty call. That is a good friend. <laughs> well, I mean, considering that throughout our college career, you pretty much curbed me. That was the least you could do was help me get other stuff. Oh, yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Kind of owed you on that one. Also, you let me borrow your car a lot freshman year. So that was also- my car was a marked car. I didn't care what happened to it at that point. What's that? <laughs> See, my car was a marked car my first year, freshman year. What does that mean? What's a marked car? Did you not understand the car chase story? Oh. Okay, the girl who went to UM got caught in traffic and noticed my car on the Dolphin Expressway and me not driving it. Oh, gotcha. That was the car chase story. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. okay. So I want to know 
what you guys, what your classes were like. What are some of the most memorable classes you had? Things that really changed your life in sort of a way? Or maybe they didn't, you know, maybe it was just that teacher was a pain in the ass or you learned something that, you know, hey, this is not how college work kind of thing. So. Well, I have one. So Professor Pegaza, Teresa oh Pegaza was. Oh, we going to talk about this bitch. I, I love her. <laughs> okay. So. We randomly found out that we had the same teacher. I love her. She was my inspiration. And Jabby legit hates her. So I thought, like, what I thought was psychology actually was sociology. When I got to college, I figured that out real quick. And so I switched my major. And I took this class with this lady. She told the most wonderful, colorful stories about, like, Fifinita and, like, Pablo or something. Like, she would give you these, like, great, like, examples and she had such a vibrant life. Like she knew like, um, what's her name with the eyebrows? Frida Kahlo. Yeah. She actually was married to Frida Kahlo's ex-husband. And like, she had almost been murdered by like three of her husbands. One guy like shot through her like Mumu. And like, so it just missed her because her Mumu was so big. Another husband like stabbed her in the leg. She just had all, yes, all these crazy stories. I loved her. And, but she was like, listen, <laughs> you come to my class. I, she's like, I don't take attendance. She was like, everything that's on my, she's like, I'm not going to give you guys a textbook. Just come in, take notes or record it. Everything that's on the test is going to be stuff that I talk about. The end. That's all I ask of you. And I was like, word, bitch? Yes. No quizzes, no nothing, just a final <laughs> exam. I loved her. I would just go to that class. I'm like, mm. I took every class this woman had to offer, even though a lot of them were not in my major because I just wanted to, I took marriage and family she took a class. She offered a class at Saturday at 7 a.m. in college. No one would go to that class. I took it because I wanted to see this woman teach. She inspired me, but she would do stuff like put her head down at sa- on Saturday mornings and like take a nap for like five, 10 minutes and like, look up and be like, oh my God, why are you guys still here? Like who in, the, in their right mind would take a class at Saturday at 7 a.m.? Like, why do you think I, took, I offered this class at this time? I didn't want any of you guys to show up. Why are you here? <laughs> I, I liked her honesty. So Jabby did not have that same take. No. Here. So I took her marriage and family class. Yes. Great class. Okay. It's, I, okay. I went into it. First of all, I had to do an elective and it fell in there, but getting there and, you know, her style. Yes. I agree with was really awesome. She was very, um, you know, loose with everything. Like she was just like, you know what? I really don't care what you do. If you come to class, you come to class. If you don't, you don't. There was a book that we had. And so she would use that book, obviously, to do, you know, certain lesson plans, but um, she didn't really rely on it. She used it to talk about other things. Like, so for me personally, she would take that and then talk about her personal life, like the whole time. And I'm not that, not that kind of person. I don't want to pay money to hear someone sit there and talk about their life. I was like, I wanted to come in and take a class. Of course, I don't want to sit there and read the book the whole time. I appreciate, you know, the some of the commentary, the outside commentary, but she really took it like to the next level of like, just kind of being out there. But the one thing that really made me upset was after we learned about all these things about her crazy husbands and, you know, boyfriends and, you know, just all the drama she has, we land on the subject about how to, how do you get out of a relationship? And um, meanwhile, you're talking to, I think I was in my technically in my junior year, because um, I always worked and went to school, took classes here and there kind of thing. So it was either my sophomore or my junior year. And she asked the class as a whole, you know, how would you get out of a relationship? You know, what's the best way to do it? So she didn't say like, this is based off of this kind of situation or based off of this. 
you know, so I answered it. I was like, well, I mean, I think the most mature way to do it is to have an adult conversation about, you know, what's going on between the two of you and what have you. And I remember she laughed and she was like, what do you mean? She's like, no. She's like, you, you think talking is going to help you get out of a relationship? No, what you need to do is just grab your things in the middle of the night and leave. And I was like, okay, that's not healthy. Like you, you're giving, and I remember there was a, a couple girls in the class that would come to her and ask her about relationship advice. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do you not understand this woman does not have healthy relationships of any type? And she literally is telling a classroom full of young women and men that in order to break up with someone, you need to just ghost them, even if you live with them or something like that. And I just yeah. thought that was just such an irresponsible response to a class that you're talking to. And she wasn't being funny. She was being dead ass serious. Like mm-hmm. you just pick up your shit and you leave. And I'm like, that's not how you do that. Meanwhile, I mean, like I, at the time I remember I was living with an ex and I was like, we talk about things, you know, stuff, something's bothering us, whatever. And we talked about our breakup. We were just like, look, we can't do this anymore, blah, blah. And then we left amicably, but that just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. I just didn't care for that kind of class, but she wasn't the worst teacher. She just, I just didn't care for her, but she did have a really great class one day about religion and how basically her view was, you know, people who are just super intense and don't question anything else around them um, and how religion can kind of really shorten you. So I don't know, that was mine. Thinking about it and speaking of philosophy, last semester I did take a philosophy class and I liked it way more than I wanted to. (laughs) Way more. I mean, like my professor, I remember she She's just one of those people that just is very hyper and bubbly in the way that she talks. So it was kind of hard to like keep up with her in class. But I think I just loved the topic more than anything. Like Javi was saying with religion, philosophy of religion is so interesting. You know, like the idea of um, uh, apparent design and like all of these things. And even something as basic as forming a logical argument, you know, like you see everything crazy going on in the world right now and you read the things that people post and you're like it literally does not make any sense it's so illogical and I think everyone should take a philosophy class you know like being able to formulate a strong valid sound argument I think is so underrated now and being able to see when someone else is saying something to you that just isn't sound I think is something that everyone should kind of be able to do even in daily life so I agree it was my philosophy class as well it was uh not necessarily home I feel like it's the first time that you actually have to think it's the first time that your logic has to be based in something other than it was what your parents told you. The reason why that type of class is such a difference for people, because I mean, it teaches you to think things through from all sides and then formulate your opinion. It was to your opinion being based on the environment you grew up in and what you were told in. I mean, you know, the superstitions are one of the things that we really focused on. And you you come to find out like how ridiculous some of your stuff sound to people who didn't grow up like you. Yeah. So, so I never took a philosophy class. The most that I've learned about philosophy, ooh, this is not great, is from The Good Place, the TV show. Um, <laughs> no, nope. that one was a good show. <laughs> it is a decent show. It's a decent show, though. But. Yeah, so I took a class called The Last Days of Martin Luther King, and my professor was uh, Dr. Vincent Harding. He wrote King's, or co-wrote uh, King's uh, Beyond Vietnam speech. And, uh, you know, like, it sounded cool when I saw it on the course catalog, and 
a few people I knew were like, oh, you should take it. Little did I know that like it would be the most life-changing class I ever took. He had amazing guests in pretty much every other class. Um, the book selection was ahead of its time. Uh, Michelle Alexander was supposed to be one of our guests, but she had something, I think she had like a, a health scare or something, so she couldn't make it. But So we read like the new Jim Crow, and this is in like, you know, 2010 or 2011. And uh, so it just, everything was super timely. He was real influential. He changed my life. I think the way I talked, the way that I moved, you know, became a lot more informed by what uh, this guy was doing. I just like, and I, I hope to be someone like that when I get older. And so I thought that it was just the information was great, but I think also the intangible things that I learned in that class you know, changed me moving forward. Okay, I have another question for you guys. So out of all the majors that you guys took in college, how many of you guys are actually using them today in your current job? I, my major was IT in college, but at the same time, I kind of figured out that it was much cheaper to just get certifications and go that route. So, I mean, although I'm working in my profession, I mean, I could have saved so much. Really? So, yeah. yeah. I so, figured that out this year, too. Well, oh, wait, that's right. Because you guys also bounced around with your, your majors, right? And then just kind of landed. Did you land on these these majors now because of the work that you landed into? I think I landed in that major from being broke coming up. <laughs> okay. Like, I had a computer, like, bought from me in high school. This was like, this is the only one you're getting. You got to keep this thing running. Mm-hmm. And then doing that, I mean, IT became my career because, I mean, it was something that I was comfortable in. It was something that I did. So for me, IT was never like my great passion. It was just something I got into when I worked at Office at Best Buy a little bit. And then when I worked at Office Depot, I actually I had to wear a million and one hats. And one of the hats was to do IT on computers. And then an ex-boyfriend kind of walked me through some of the stuff that like went went into it. And, and I, I was interested in it, but it wasn't like a passion. It's still not really a passion of mine, but it's something that I'm good at. Yeah. But it's not the field that I work in at all, by no means. That's interesting. I don't know. I um switched so much. And they, I mean, but everything kind of revolved around the same thing. You know, like I started off with, like I said, English. Then I went to pre-law, which... Again, pre-law, when you're in, you're getting your associate's degree, just means that you put a label on something. You don't really take any types of classes. And I did that because I'd started working in law. And I was like, okay, well, let me, you know, maybe I'll just add this in. And as I go in, I can get a bachelor's and something. But English definitely, most people, they call that, you know, kind of like um, any, any kind of arts degree. People kind of like, I feel like they look down on that. And they just find those to be like really easy things to do and what have you. But it does become useful. Um, as you move forward in the working world. Personally, for me, it was really beneficial to, you know, first of all, I took, um, I also did a certification in public and technical writing. So that helped me a lot with business writing, understanding contracts and things like that, which, you know, flows into me being a paralegal and really helped me there. But it's really interesting. A lot of, again, you have a degree like um, graduate school, like law school that take English majors because they need strong writers. They need people who are strong, critical thinkers um, and that understand the text that whatever it is that's put in front of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I, I do find that, you know, just even though I've wanted to go also the creative writing path as well, and I've always wanted to continue, you know, maybe one day be an author, of, you know, fiction. I think that at least having the backup of, you know, I'm not the best English student, honestly. Like my grammar sometimes, I look at some things and I'm like, man, 
I'm embarrassing, <laughs> but you know, it still helped me in my career. You know, overall, a lot of my jobs that I've been to, a lot of the interviews, they'll look at me and they'll be like, you have like the degrees that we're looking for, you know, between mm -hmm. having an English degree, having the certifications, and then also the history of my jobs, they really value that. So there's hope yet for people who are with arts degrees. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I'm a little bit of an odd one where, like, I've always had a talent for being creative, and my parents specifically were worried about me, like, how are you going to sustain that? You know, you can't be, like, a starving artist or whatever. Um, and so in high school, um, I was taking an AP art class, and the teacher brought in someone from a design agency. I don't know if he was a designer or an ad rep or whatever, but basically that opened my eyes to like graphic design. So I chose my school based on, you know, the schools that had graphic design programs. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I originally wanted to go to one of the traditional schools. Like I wanted to maybe go to FSU because I had a lot of friends that were going there. Um, UCF was beautiful. i totally wanted to go to UCF. The campus was awesome, but they didn't have a design program. FSU didn't have a design program. I think UF did, but I really don't like the gator culture, and I'm sorry if anybody else does, but I was <laughs> not wanting to be a gator at all. It was like, yeah, it's not my scene. And then, you know, like SCAD and, and Rawlings and every other, like, like, I can't afford that. You know, I was basically going to be paying my way through college on my own. And uh, so UNF kind of had the last, like, late enrollment. And I applied, got in, did my two years. The graphic design program is like a limited access program. So you have to interview and try out and have a portfolio to get in did that, got in, and I graduated, and then I got my first job um, out of college at a newspaper, so it was pretty, it was pretty lucky to just, like, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it, and <laughs> hell or high water, it's just gonna happen, so. You were really specific, though, too. You said, I want to do graphic designing for companies that do labels. Like, I remember we were in the, like, public somewhere, and you're like, packaging. I want to do that. What is yeah. that called? Packaging. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So that's what so, you do now, right? Yeah, so I, part of, like, my training and stuff at school was to do um, web design, and I was introduced, I think, with Jabby, with your parents, you know, your parents did web design, and they did graphic design and stuff for, you know, a couple couple people so that's I was kind of introduced to that stuff a little bit early on but I didn't really like put two and two together yeah yeah but yeah I remember like sitting in next to you while you were trying to like code a website and I'm like you know like I was interested in it but when I actually got into it in college and it was like a whole nother language I was like I I can't I don't want to do websites so I <laughs> for me I love the texture and the smell of paper and ink and I like to make things look pretty so packaging design is where I, what I currently do now and even more nerdy I work for a pen company so um, <laughs> talk about two things that are just going to be anything kind of we know huh any packaging we know I'm trying to think I mean if you go down the pen aisle pretty much anywhere if you look at pilot g2 precise um, any of that stuff, all of those packs that are in stores, I touch. So I basically, I haven't necessarily designed them, but I 
basically make sure that the, all of those files that go to the stores and the printer and stuff like that, they're all good to go. So basically any of the packs that you see in any of the stores, I've touched those files and I've sent that artwork to printers. So I'm still waiting on more pens, by the way. <laughs> Do you need to send you pens? Funny enough, I'm a pen snob, so I know what you're talking about. I like the Pilot G2s. I like the 0.8 millimeter. Wow. Wow, you guys are pen nerds. How funny. <laughs> I still, well, Natalie, I still have the pens that you gave me at the baby shower. Like, I love them. I covet them. The friction one? Yeah. The erasable? Yeah. I can tell you were a pen person. (laughs) (laughs) So, Josh, are you working in a field like that with your degree? No. But I do think that, like, (laughs) the first thing you learn in, in, like, political science classes is politics are everywhere. They are. You know, they're in so much of your life, you're playing the game everywhere you go. You know, when you're at a job, you're trying to market yourself and, you know, posture yourself to be this person, um, even if that's not you, because that's what you want to do and you'd like to continue getting paid. And so I think that, do I play the politics game every day? Absolutely. Am I talking about like current events and all of that? No, unfortunately I'm not. But uh, I do think that I went, like for me in choosing my major, um, and I don't think that this is the best thing maybe for anybody, but I went with my intellectual curiosity and not with my business aspirations. I went because I knew like, uh, this is what I'm actually interested in. Like if I had to read something educational on this for the next four years, would I feel comfortable doing this? And that mattered to me way more than like, oh, well, I can get paid. Like, And maybe my mind wasn't there as like a 17-year-old college student or a 16-year-old applicant being like, well, maybe I'll take whatever will, will be most lucrative or like I can make the quickest buck. Like, Looking back now, knowing what I know now, I would have gone business, but really? um, I think where, where I was then, and even still with my passions, I'm glad to know what I know now. Like, I'm glad to, to have studied political science and got a better understanding of whatever is going on in America and, like, how far we've come and how far we need to go. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think that my major is not in my work, though. I think that's true. I definitely, I did, like I said, the same. I kind of went with what I, what I wanted to go with my passion and I didn't finish my degree until, uh, I think I was 27, my bachelor's or 28. And I appreciated it so much more as an adult. I like, I had, I have now I have no regrets whatsoever about choosing that major because the classes that I took, I, got to have these conversations, these really just out there conversations about, you know, not just the text, but how that relates to the world that we're living in. And, you know, it kind of helped me shape really like my thought process on life and, you know, the people around me who I surround myself with, what, what I want to do with my life as well, moving forward. The best class I think I took was, um, which is really funny. I had a white Jewish teacher that was teaching a class on um, Nat Turner and I can't remember, it was another person as well, but specifically the class was about Nat Turner and, um, you know, the, the origins of like, you know, rebellion within, you know, slave ranks and, you know, just to hit that history. And that was one of the most interesting classes I took because, I mean, there was debates every day, like she encouraged it, not to the point that, you know, sometimes you have those debates in class where you want to like beat someone down. You're like, yeah. I'm going to see you after school. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And we did have a couple. I remember there was this one kid uh, while we were talking about Nat Turner. And if, for those that are listening, if you don't know who Nat Turner is, I encourage you to research him. But basically, he led one of, I think, the largest if not very many slave rebellions that happened. And it wasn't that long ago. And unfortunately, the movie that came out in 2016 got shadowed by the writer and director's personal life from when he was back in college. But Nat Turner's story in general is just a really important story, I think, overall. But I remember there was this kid in class, we were analyzing, talking about, you know, the rebellion. And this guy was like, well, I don't think that it was right for them to go and kill these people and, you know, da, da, da. And we're sitting there, we're like, yo, okay, so you are okay with slavery? He's like, no, 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 I'm not okay with slavery. But, you know, then he's just as bad as those people. I'm like, so we were like, how did you propose that they get out of the situation? He's like, well, maybe they could have, you know, organized better and talked to them. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Over like 400 years of this shit? Okay. And so, you know, you have those moments, those conversations, you realize these people exist. So I think college kind of opens you yeah. up to those different types of people where you're just like, okay, this person is going to be walking among me in my workplace. You know, there's actually people that have these outlandish ideas or just different. I mean, who am I? I don't know. I mean, him, that person in particular, honestly, he's one of those, I'm gonna meet you outside kind of people. Like I watched several of my <laughs> classmates just be like, I'm, I'm gonna lose it on this kid. But overall, I mean, I think certain classes really pushed you to think and just communicate with the community around you. And that was, that's fantastic. I think it's awesome. Johnny, were you about to say something? Giggling at me. <laughs> no, I was just, I mean, you didn't really give us a neutral example there to kind of feel sorry for. <laughs> I mean, that was the person you want to be waiting for. But, um, going back to what Josh was saying, you know, just about the micro politics of it is like, even in my current job, I was at a point where I maxed out on how much money I could make in my position. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if you want to make more money, then you need to be like supervisor. I don't want to supervise people. I want to fix computers. That's what I do. Yeah. But like, and then when you realize that, you know, once you are a supervisor, well, long story short, I am a supervisor. <laughs> that you're now the person who has to deal with, you know, people not coming to work on time or people coming to work drunk or, you know, manufacturing deadlines and stuff like that. And it's one of those things that like, you know, even though you went through making this your career, you can't do that now because you have to deal with all this other things that have nothing to do with working on computers. Okay. The other thing I wanted to talk about, we all grew up in Florida, right? Um, Josh and Doreen, you guys grew up in Miami as well? Or like, was it further north? Yeah, we're we're Miramar babies. Yeah. yeah. Broward County all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Broward County. Broward as well. Yeah. <laughs> we're these Broward kids. Get out of here. Listen here. Exactly. The cool kids. Whoa. I'm probably Calm down. Shots fired. <laughs> Ooh, Pompadour, yeah. But yeah. Um, so for your specific school, I think we all had different experiences. So Josh, especially you, you went to an all boys school, right? Is it Morehouse? For, for college, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. all black, right? Yeah, for the most part, like 90, 95%. Okay. What was that like? I mean, like you went from, so Miramar, I don't know. I didn't grow up in Miramar. I grew up in Miami where we had this really you know, mix of people, but we had mostly Hispanic culture around us. I went to FIU, which was like a continuation of that. But then when I went, moved out to Deland, 
which is middle of nowhere, is a ton of just basically white kids. And that was strange for me. But what was it like? I mean, going to these different schools, experiences as far as being black in your specific college and like the, just the culture in general. I remember, so I guess to give some context, my high school that I went to, I describe it pretty affectionately as being like, like a third of, you know, the, the, of large demographics. So I think that we were probably one third white, one third Hispanic, and another one third like black and Caribbean, like, you know, I think Islander folks. And so, but we probably leaned more heavily to being white. And I vividly remember getting to Morehouse's campus and being like, man, you know, like everybody here is black or, you know, the majority of people here are black, but everybody's so different. You know, I think that there's this like, you know, there's obviously the stereotype that black people are a monolith and everybody's the same and they have the same experience and they've gone through the same thing. And, you know, even I knew that to not be true as like a high school student, a middle school student, where it was like, I, I felt a little different. I knew that, you know, and it wasn't like I thought that was the exceptional Negro or anything like that. It just, you know, I felt different than other folks. But then I went to a space and it was like, oh, wait, it's not just the jock or the thug, you know, for, for the black kid or, or the overachiever. It was everybody kind of in between. There were dudes that liked to surf. And I never met brothers that like were like, no, nah, I don't just surf on vacation. I surf like as my hobby. This is my day to day thing. Like after high school, I'm surfing. And like you make kids the skateboarder, you make kids and like, so much of, I think, the Black experience in these, you know, predominantly white spaces in high school is like, well, I'm the exceptional brother that's like a good student and, you know, I play some sports and I'm well-spoken and, you know, maybe I come from some type of means. And that didn't mean anything in Morehouse because there was a ton of dudes like that. Like, you were not alone in being like a well-spoken, articulate Black guy that played sports and, you know, can, can code switch with the best of them. That didn't mean anything. And it yeah. was really interesting, I think, to just be in a space where, like, everybody was totally different. And there were a few um, archetypes in there. You know, I think that certain people fit into certain boxes. We had the skaters, we had the surfers, we had the basketball players, we had the footballers. We had the dudes that wanted to be hood. We had the dudes that were uh, wanted nothing to do with the hood and didn't <laughs> want to hang out with other black people. And I think that that experience was different, was fun, it was unique. And then, you know, like we had Spellman, you know, in the AUC right next to us, and that was an experience. And then Clark Atlanta too, which was predominantly female, but not by intention, uh, just because of how disproportionate black women go to college over black men. But um, yeah, it was life-changing experience. Um, how about Summer? What about you? I know you have a unique experience. I mean, you're going to school here in Colorado, in Greeley, Colorado. Well, I mean, I definitely related a lot to that because I, I feel like what I got from that is like you in high school, same thing, you know, I was a cheerleader, I was on the honor roll, well-spoken, and I kind of went from being the token, I know you guys did your tokenism episode, which is my favorite, um, you know, I, I did, like, I went from being, like, the token to being, like, just, like, another Black woman at a college, and to be honest, it wasn't until I got to my college that, like, I really embraced the culture, because I felt like I had spent so long trying to repress parts of my identity to, like, fit into, like, this majority white school, you know, and the college that I go to, I mean, like, there's a pretty big group of Black people and my friends and I, we joined BSU, 
um, Black Students United, and I started going to the weekly meetings, and I met people that were like me, and my two best friends, again, totally contrasting from what it was like in high school, my two best friends are, are two Black women now, you know, and, you know, it, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air, almost, that you don't have to feel so, I, I don't want to say oppressed, but almost like you are like repressing this part of yourself to fit into the majority. That's really insightful, actually. <laughs> I mean, for overall, especially being in the workplace, um, usually as a Black person, you do, there's a part of yourself that you repress. And I think a lot of people, but I think in general, a lot of people don't get to express themselves within the workplace in general, but I feel like yeah. more so a Black person is unable to do so even walking down the street they, they can't really express who they are so to have you to have the experience which i remember when you brought home josie and um ashley ashley gosh we haven't seen her in forever but yeah <laughs> i was just so excited because i was like oh, she's got two black friends and i was like this is so cool <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> i was just so happy for you but it's true um it, it is a little a little strange. Um, Natalie's background is half white, half Cuban. Grew up in Miami as well. So she's got the mixture of Miami, you know, mostly Hispanic culture, Miss Fluent in Spanish as well. <laughs> so what was Don't it like for it, you? But totally like, am. <laughs> <laughs> she's undercover. Um, what was it like for you when you went to school? Like, was it UNF? I mean, I'm imagining it's up north. So it was mostly predominantly white, right? Did it have the same Miami mixture? Like, what was that like? No, so UNF is kind of special in that it's almost like a community college in a way. So you had a lot of variety, not only with, you know, people from different backgrounds and people from different colors and everything like that. There wasn't as many Hispanics. It was mostly just like white, black, and like old white people that, really? you know, yeah, it was, it's kind of like a community college in that way where like, you know, older white people would come and take classes. So, and then, you know, I kind of, because I was in doing my bachelor's in fine art, there weren't really a lot of like, you know, there just weren't a lot of like people of color or anything like that. It was just a lot of like white students that were, you know, doing artsy shit in my classes. So Was that weird for you? Because I think, I think when we grew up, like we had a lot of Hispanic friends, you know, growing up. It was weird. It was really weird. Um, I, I got homesick a lot. Um, it was a lot of culture shock for me because it just, everything was just so, just it was like, very white, very white <laughs> you know, and especially like, you know, not being too familiar with the South and kind of being in the deep South. I mean, a lot mm. of people joke about Jacksonville being like Southern Georgia. Um, <laughs> so growing up from, you know, like being from Miami and growing up and, and coming to like, North Florida, where one, there's more trees than palm trees, like it's just <laughs> super green. And then it was just like all these like white people everywhere. And it's part of the Bible Belt. And it's just like, like, I'm just wondering, like, what that was like, because like, then you're talking about the Bible Belt. And like, I never thought about the fact that you were Yeah, you were kind of in the deep south section. I mean, the things that you must have heard, you know, considering that, you know, where you grew up, I mean, it's a little, I can't imagine some of the things you may have, may have heard or not heard. I don't know. I guess the biggest thing to me was religion plays more of a part in daily life than uh, what I was accustomed to, mm -hmm. you know, which is great because if you like really want to go to 
a place on Sundays, make sure you get there before, you know, church lets out and you're able to find a seat, no problem. But, <laughs> you know, so that, that was kind of interesting. My husband is Southern Baptist, so that was kind of figuring out and navigating that whole thing is it's been interesting and, and there's a lot of people that have done that too it's also there's a lot of like military people too that went to to school there so that was another interesting factor that kind of went to play you know we get a lot of like when we were going out and to the bars because there weren't really like clubs in jacksonville it's kind of more of a bar kind of town you'd meet a lot of like navy guys and stuff and you know you were always as a woman you're just kind of like uh, these guys are like they could either be you know what like having your back you know if there was like a guy that was bugging you or they would be like the the guy that was bugging you and like making you feel uncomfortable so I don't know if that really answers your question I was like <laughs> <laughs> No, you're good. You're good. It's definitely a learning experience. But yeah, that was one thing that I did miss was, you know, all the culture. Like, I felt so that summer that I spent at FIU, I just felt so at home there. And it was just very comfortable. Yeah, the campus was huge. And having to like huff in between classes was insane. Like I always felt <laughs> I was running. The other thing FIU takes no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, the other thing too, though, is, and I still have a hard time with it, but like the change of pace too, like growing up in, in South Florida, you're used to like, you know, walking into a Starbucks, by the time that you're, you're at the counter, your drink's already ready, you know, and I've encountered in so many, in so many places, but at first I encountered it at UNF when you were doing like anything with like service or customer service or anything like that, like people just took their time, you know, and you're just like, dude, I got to get to class, you know, like, I need my coffee, like, get it to me now, you know, um, so it was just a big, it was a big culture shock for me there, but, you know, the, the other thing that I found really nice about it is that, like, people give you the time of day, like, if you ask them a question, you, you can pretty much go up to anybody, anywhere, and, and just be like, hey, you know, I need help, and they're, you know, be able to, to help you, whereas, like, you couldn't do that in South no, so. no, you can't. People in South Florida are not that nice. So I just wanted to say we had a couple other questions that we wanted to ask, but we just had such good conversations that we kind of ran out of time, but that's okay. So first and foremost, I want to say thank you guys for joining us um, on another great show. I think so. I'm not biased. Um, but thank you <laughs> to each one of our guests for coming out and joining us online. And thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Summer. We appreciate all of your input and all of the conversation that we guys have had. And thank you for taking the time out today to, to join us and, you know, talk with us. And um, for all the listeners out there, if you enjoyed this show and, or any of our other shows, please go visit us on the Patreon website and toss us some coins, man. We broke. Uh, so we can continue. <laughs> So we can continue to bring you more of this dope content. Or if you have anything that you want us to talk about, please let us know. Hit us up on social media. Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you could think of, we on it. Girl, you um, tired so from saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, make sure you guys follow us, subscribe, rate us, and let us know how we're doing. So to my wonderful co-host, Jabby. You do you did an awesome job. Thank you. Today we have a special treat for our listeners. We have Chris Black with Truck Music Productions premiering his new song, Corona Season 2020. So please take a listen and let us know what you think. I just want to say bye-bye, everyone. And all of our guests, you guys can say a big round of goodbyes. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you again, guys.
I'm just different, I'm still spitting, maximize my living flow, prolific, I'm too gifted, watch me move and pivot, I don't get it, y'all fool shit it on your damn self, body y'all niggas with one cough, don't need no damn help, this who I is, that's what I does, that's what I fucking do, that's so difficult, got you feeling uncomfortable, bad little shawty told me, and come and get that ass, yo, told her I would, as long as I can leave my mask on, it's corona season, what do you believe in, can't go into a corner store without some shit to breathe in, even the priest of us, yo, asked if you behind them sneezing, another case of sense murder for no fucking reason lord help me 1200 for your soul is disrespect that's the price they pay your streets for a nigga neck 2020 got you feeling wrecked i just really hope they mail my fucking stimulus check life upset back the fuck up back the fuck up back the fuck up back the fuck up, back the fuck up. give me six feet nigga give me six feet give me six feet i get six feet back the fuck up back the fuck up world we live in is obviously kind of strange you can live your life on track and get hit by a fucking train what a futuristic real life version of stock exchange got you trading three beans and a cow for your icy chain you cannot complain these are resources from angry gods thought you saw that shit clear but your vision was a mirage they laugh at you suffering through a plague when they keep circus from day one about saving for any day tell me what you say the government lies to fill their pockets like they took air out the ball knowing damn well you gonna drop it now humans dropping like flies it's all this shit of disguise open up your eyes it's true really ain't no damn surprise do you realize and you about this shit a long time ago and make money off you when it's your time to go how could this be possible expired for exposing your nostrils and another in the body back for trying to pay with a possible lord where do we go from here i know the end is near i am a man of no fear the revolution is here but it would not be televised load up your ammunition practice liberal exercise we living in genocide a country with a leader who don't give a fuck how you die so tell me where is the pride my nigga it's all a lie so tell the truth Created, written, recorded, and produced by Jabby and Doreen. Theme music by Chris Black of Truck Music Productions. 